You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Step onto the sexy streets of animal attraction that is New York City. Welcome to Pets in the City, Life in the Urban Jungle. Join host Diane West as she explores the exciting lives, loves, and laments of the people and pets in the world's greatest city. Pets in the City, like the city itself, has something for everyone. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So get ready to get dressed to the canines and take a bite out of the Big Apple with your Pets in the City host, Diane West. Hello, cyber cats, kittens, creatures, under all creation. This is Diane West, your host from Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio, coming at you from the greatest city in the world, of course, New York City. This show is going to be a part two of a part one we did on Greatest American Dog. Greatest American Dog, as you might remember, was um, a 10-week reality series over the summer which pitted dogs and their owners against each other in various challenges, and it raised a bit of controversy. We then followed up our interview with one of the contestants there with uh, the head of the American Humane Association's Film and Production Unit, and it turns out they were none too happy with Greatest American Dog. We'll be right back. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties. Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? 
It's no secret that Americans are becoming more and more addicted to two particular genres on television. Reality shows and any show having to do with pets. I mean, just look at the uh, popularity of any episode on Discovery Channel and people are just absolutely in love with their pets and the animal kingdom, which is great. And uh, on the also reverse of that, they're also very much interested in reality shows. Otherwise, there wouldn't be another one born every day. So naturally, you would see a convergence of the two reality shows involving pets. This is not really sitting too well with the American Humane Association, which has monitored the safety of pets on the sets of film and production for over 60 years now. So we spoke with Karen Rosa, who is the head of the department that looks after film and production safety of animals on behalf of American Humane and dubs whether animals were indeed harmed during production or whether they were not. And she told us that most reality shows would not earn the um, blessing of American Humane. And we did, just for a vocal point, talk about Greatest American Dog. But, of course, it's not just limited to Greatest American Dog. Let's go see what she had to say. One of the things that seems to be emerging with reality television is, of course, our fascination with animals. And reality television, and I use that term loosely, is increasingly using pets, um, house pets, people's pets, um, pets up for adoption as part of the mix for reality television. The American Humane Society, which uh, has been following and hopefully protecting the interests of animals on film, movie, and TV sets since approximately 1940, is now having to grapple with pets increasingly showing up on reality television. I have uh, the honor of having uh, Karen Rosa with me from American Humane. Uh, She's actually the director of the film and television unit for American Humane. So she has a bird's eye view of what's happening now in terms of American Humane's involvement with pets on television, both professional pets as well as these quote-unquote new crop of reality pets. Being that we just spoke with one of the contestants from Greatest American Dog, I wanted to talk with Karen about what seemed to cause a bit of a stir on Greatest American Dog. There were a number of complaints and concerns apparently from some of the viewers on some of the things they were seeing. So from there, Karen, give us a synopsis of of what happened when uh, Greatest American Dog aired. Uh, what, What happened? Did your phone start ringing off the hook? It did ring off the hook. But one of the things I want to emphasize is that we were unable to be on that show 24-7. The way it was structured is that they ran these series of challenges, and they also had the people with their pets living in a house. And so we were to be there just during the challenges. Now, by the time they talked to us and they set it all up, there were some things that we had already missed that we had been unaware of. So in terms of, I think, one of the biggest criticisms was early in the show when a snarl band was used on one of the dogs. And um, now, Can you, know, you just briefly that, tell us, our listeners, what a snarl band is? Well, a snarl band is a device 
that is put into the mouth of the dog that kind of raises its lips and makes it look like it's snarling. And what they do is then they can dub in the sound and make the dog look like, um, you know, a, a dangerous dog that's, that's snarling to the camera. These things um, have been used by trainers in the past, and it's the kind of thing that the dog needs to be conditioned to. Animals, like other human performers, are individuals, and they have certain talents and certain capabilities, and professional trainers work with these animals to sort of get uh, what they know is their comfort level on behaviors. That is why you have many dogs playing a lead character in a big animal film. One is mm. going to be good at stunts, one's going to be the runner, one's going to be very calm and be good for the dialogue scenes. And so with a snarl device... You know, the trainers work with the animal very slowly, very carefully, and if the animal is comfortable with it, then fine, we will allow it to be used. What happened on this show is that the contestant just put a rubber band or something to imitate the snarl device on the dog. The dog was clearly uncomfortable. From what I understand, I think the dog even snipped at her. So, you know, clearly this was not something that we would have condoned. We would have said, is the dog conditioned for this? If not, then no, it's not something that you should be using in this situation. So it was something that was done without our monitoring the situation, and we saw it the way the public did when it aired on television. And then, so then what happened then? Did you give them a call and ask them what, what was happening? Or, or at that point, is that not really in your purview? Well, it, it was a done deal, in other words. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had already done it, so it was after the fact. And I think that there was a misrepresentation of our guidelines at one point, saying, well, American Humane condones this, so why should they be complaining? Well, we don't condone it unilaterally. We condone it if the animal is trained and conditioned and comfortable using that kind of device. So we would not have condoned it in this particular situation. And it looks like uh, th- that was, um, I'm looking at your, your website now, and, and listeners, I, I do uh, encourage you to look for yourself. It's uh, www.americanhumane.org, um, and you would look under the um, film and, and production area, and you will see a very lengthy uh, <laughs> insert about Grace American Dog. And, and I'm going to quote from it here, just in, in terms of what Karen is saying. American Humane finds the inappropriate quoting, usage, and interpretation of our humane guidelines for the furthering of an agency or person's personal agenda to be inexcusable. That's pretty strong. That is pretty strong, and it's because the contestant actually posted on her website a statement that made it appear as if we would condone the action. One, we were not there to intervene or to monitor it, and two, it was her interpretation of our guidelines, which, again... Um, are not necessarily up for grabs, in, in other words. You know, she wanted to condone what she did. And quite frankly, um, they are guidelines, they're not laws, and the staff that we have out in the field are very knowledgeable in terms of animals. They have degrees in animal science, animal behavior. They, some of our vets, vet techs, and they know what they're seeing, and they can tell immediately whether that animal has been conditioned to using a certain device, or being in a certain situation. Obviously, you know, the the problem with reality shows is that they want the drama. 
they in many ways want the people to behave badly because that creates the the soap opera effect of it all and the conflicts, etc. So, you know, to drag the animals into this as well who are not conditioned to be on movie sets and the long days and the long hours and the smells and the sights and sounds, etc. Wonderful dog probably in your backyard, but uh, you're bringing it into a completely different situation and into a situation where the contestants in many ways are trying to one-up them each other and, um, you know, kind of buy into that, that drama that is going on around them. So, you know, there's, there's the contest aspect of it. Everybody wants to win, and, you know, in, sometimes you, they're doing things that is not in the best interest of the animal. In this particular show, in your opinion, do you feel that you saw some of that behavior going on, that there were some, I mean, again, just to emphasize, these were indeed all quote-unquote house pets for the most part. I mean, I know some of the contestants said that, oh, you know, they've performed professionally elsewhere and, and what have you, but it seemed like the majority were house pets that seemed to be very well trained and vetted for the show. But, what, you know, Karen, when you were watching it, did you feel that a lot of the things that they were asking the animals to do were a bit uncomfortable and perhaps uh, getting close to the line, if not crossing it? Well, yes. I I think that, you know, certainly with this instance, that was the case. And, you know, again, when we were monitoring, when we were on set, we were often asking for breaks for the pets. We were asking, you know, for more shade, more water, you know, just checking the areas and checking the demeanor of the dog. So we were on top of it when we were able to be when we were there. Were there ever times where they actually said, look, you know, could you not be there or just, I mean, do you feel in general, were they cooperative with you in general? I think they tried to be cooperative as best they could. I think that the structure of the show made it very difficult for us to be there 24-7. And by the time we were involved in the show, they had already filmed some things that we had not been aware of or not been called in to monitor. So, um, you know, for instance, we we screen everything before we would award any kind of disclaimer or rating for the show. And right. when our post-production person saw the very first show and went to all the reports, we realized nothing in that show was anything we had monitored. So there was nothing that we could give the show in terms of an end credit. And that's when we decided we needed to be able to take it episode by episode to see what it was we were monitoring and what things we did not monitor, to be very specific. So, so episodic this... is very different than being on a film, where, where we're there on a film throughout, and at the end we screen the film, we compare all the reports, and we're able to, um, in good conscience, say no animal was harmed. But in this case, because it's chopped up into episodes, there were some things we did monitor and some things we did not. So now, did they tell you what, what they were planning to do before each episode happened or I mean again and I, I realized yes that there were as you said there were a number of things that were filmed and then you know there really wasn't anything you could do after the fact but once your involvement became more I guess uh, consistent did they say well we're going to do this in this next episode what do you think about that well we did get kind of an outline of a schedule uh, eventually and we were able to see when they were doing challenges and at what part of the day and um, we made every effort to be there for those. 
Now, in addition to this gnarl band situation, let, let's call it, there are a few other instances that seem to bother people. And, and again, I'm just looking at a chat board that um, CBS had set up at one point. There was the use of, I, I guess, some citrus spray to get a reaction out of a, a certain animal. And then the biggest thing that it looked like that really set people off was the introduction of this gigantic elephant on, on the set. Can you tell us a little bit what was going on with the elephant? Uh, the elephant, we've worked with that particular elephant and that trainer before, and it's a very calm, relaxed animal. And when they brought the elephant on the set, the rep was there, the dogs were, were present, they were at a distance from the elephant, and she was kind of monitoring the reaction of the dogs and, and the animal, and they seemed to be pretty accepting. The elephant was pretty bomb-proof and, you know, was not being affected by the dogs, so she felt that there were enough controls in place to give this a try, and the elephant stepped up and the dog stayed in the circle for the most part. The one dog that did a lot of barking chronically was barking anyway, so there was not, she didn't feel that there was a, a stress factor involved there and that it was it was acceptable to do. With an elephant, and I guess any other quote-unquote wild animal, there always is some, you know, a small factor, at least, of that you're not quite sure what even a highly trained animal is going to do. I mean, you know, I guess I'm uh, thinking about the, um, you know, the now infamous um, incident with um, the uh, lion in um, the Las Vegas act. Um, was there any fear of that whatsoever, that the elephant just might, uh, I mean, I thought when I was watching it, it looked like at one point they even put the toy, the animal's toy, like actually under the elephant. And I just said to myself, oh, my God, I mean, if this the elephant might not be acting maliciously, but if, if she steps the wrong way, this could go bad. Well, the elephant and the trainer have worked together for quite a long time, and we've watched this animal on various sets, and the animal was very calm, and we really felt that it was it was not reacting. It was under great control, and uh, there were also other controls in place. There were the owners, and people were, were usually between the two animals when anything was happening, and everything was moving pretty slowly. Um, I think the other benefit of editing things after the fact is that, again, the drama can be heightened so that the impression that the public is getting is a little different than the reality of what was happening during the actual filming. Mm-hmm. Okay. That uh, creative editing comes in there again. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Karen and some changes that will be coming down the pike in 2009 to better protect animals on reality TV sets. We'll be right back. All right, this is my stop, Commercial Boulevard. Yeah, that's funny. Pets in the City will be back in a New York minute. Don't go anywhere. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, all you yuppie puppies and city kitties, Pets in the City is back with more urban animals and cool cosmopolitan critters. Try saying that three times fast. Right, Diane? Finally, I guess the zip line situation, and again, just to give a little background to listeners who may not have seen the show, there was a point where I guess it was called a courage challenge where the animals were put in a um, harness and then... I guess zip lines almost as if one would go over a pond that they didn't go over a pond, but you know, kind of like flying was it a 32 foot high drop. You would have to remind me. I'd have to look at the stats again, I, I, but it was high. Yes. Yeah. Um, so now tell us a little bit about that. So they were actually, they were acclimated to that before you actually saw it for the quote unquote first time. Yeah. We watched them rehearsing. Yes, they were on lower apparatus, but they were fitted in the harness and you know when they when they got there evidently uh, according to our rep there was even a run through so what you see on camera their first shock at seeing the apparatus and putting their pets up there was stretching the fact a tad um, and I think that certainly none of the animals were forced I, I give great credit to the lady who just said I'm not going to force my dog to do that she's done yeah, the little mm-hmm. white dog. And great, you know, that's exactly what should happen. You know, it should not be forced and it should not be put in a, a fearful position. So a lot of the dogs did just, you know, did jump and they were in the harness. Again, there was a lot of padding around. The harnesses were secure. The rep had checked all the harnessing equipment. So she felt that it was doable. But again, these were dogs that weren't, I mean, they're different in that they weren't, this might be the first time a lot of them ever were in a zip line as opposed to, you know, perhaps a professional dog actor, which, you know, like you had alluded to earlier, had been trained to do this type of stuff more often. Not our first choice, but again, we weighed the whole situation and we did allow it. But our preference would always be to not use these private pets in filming or in these kinds of situations, that, that this probably should have been trained for a longer period of time and those dogs that were uncomfortable should not have really been put in the situation. Now that brings us to something I really wanted to ask you about, Karen. You know, with the proliferation of, I mean, it's certainly not new. I mean, I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, was there an infamous uh, story of uh, one of these wild shows where they found that they were indeed manipulating wild animals to kind of act in a certain way (laughs) so that they would act for the camera. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on reality television so it's, it's not a new situation however what is new is the proliferation of reality shows and of course the popularity of them among the general public coupled with the fact that everyone loves to watch animal shows and we have whole networks devoted to that now with animal planet i guess the the crux of my question is as someone who is a professional observer in this field and seeing that there are more and more house pets for lack of a better term being called upon to be in reality shows not just the greatest american dog but not to single anyone out but a lot of these training shows where you know it's it's me or the dog or season milan or or what have you are we kind of entering a gray area where these aren't professional dog actors, and yet at the same time, they do need some kind of protections from groups such as yourself? It is a very gray area for us. 
you know, we still stand by what we state in our guidelines, and we prefer the animals to be professionally trained. We we don't think it is the best situation to be bringing personal pets to the set, whether they're extras dogs used in park scenes and films or whether they're on these reality shows. Um, we don't find that to be a good idea. There are certain situations where if it is truly kind of cinema verite and they're filming in someone's home and the animal is there. That's a very different situation than bringing these animals into challenges, etc. But again, perhaps we need to, we would encourage the shows to hopefully have us more involved in the early vetting process to see which dogs really do have perhaps more training than others, which, you know, seem to be better conditioned for that kind of situation. And and some animals naturally will be calm and take to that filming situation, and some will not. And so, you know, we were not quite there yet. Very often we're brought in after these people are chosen, the contestants are chosen. So, you know, what we see very often is that, the animals, per se, are chosen because of the human personality. Mm. Uh, the shows want a certain mix of personalities to create whatever interest, drama, etc., and the animal kind of comes with. Whereas in professional films, the trainers are looking for the animal that is going to be best suited to the behavior that's going to be required for the filming. So it's a little backwards, in other words. And so... We would prefer if we could be involved a little earlier on. Are, are there any efforts, uh, I guess, to reach out to these um, folks between you and American Humane to at least maybe start establishing at least some good faith guidelines? Or We are actually in the process of doing that. Our guidelines for the safe use of animals in film media are what we consider to be a living document. We update them on a very regular basis. The last update was in 2005, and we are in the process of updating them Yet again, we will probably have a new edition in 2009. And very definitely, we are having a whole section on reality programming because Mm. it is such a growing area. It didn't go away. It began years ago with Survivor and Fear Factor. We were very unhappy with some of the situations there. They were acting outside of the Screen Actors Guild contract, which gives us our authority, and so very often we were cut out of the process. Now, however, they're getting more educated, they want us involved, but in some ways we get involved a little too late. So we're looking to give some guidelines, parameters to these various shows so that when they're in the process of planning them, they know to give us a call and involve us rather than after a lot of the decisions have been made and filming is about to begin tomorrow suddenly we get a call sheet, you want it on set. So um, we're we're working on it. It's, uh, you know, if if anything, the media industry is constantly evolving, and we have to stay on top of that and try to evolve with them. And I think the program has done an excellent job of doing that, but it's constant. So, again, we are revisiting the guidelines, and we're going to add things that definitely speak to the reality situation. 
to sum up, I guess, what is in addition to, you know, your direct concern for the animals that are, do end up on these shows, do you look at these and I guess kind of get concerned that someone at home might be saying, oh, yeah, you know, my dog could fly or my dog could do this. Um, is there any concern there that, you know, it should be emphasized, you know, don't try this at home as you were? Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. I think that there is sometimes a false perception that if you're seeing it on television, it's something that you can try at home. And I think that there does need to be that kind of added disclaimer, please do not do this at home without, you know, don't do it at home, period. Unless they, get one, unless they get one of you guys on the set, maybe, and then uh, <laughs> give them a look. Right. Well, but, we uh, are finding there are a great many more people who want to get their pets into entertainment, and there are processes to do that. First of all, the human being needs to be trained to be a humane trainer and then be able to evaluate animals as to whether they have the right disposition to be doing these kinds of things. Not, not every dog is going to be a show dog. Not every dog is going to be able to do agility training, but it's the human beings that need to be trained first and foremost. Okay, great. And I guess just, you know, I, I know this is a difficult question, but what is the one word that comes to your mind when you think about animals on reality television? What's the first thought that comes to your mind? One word. That's tough. <laughs> okay, I'll give you two or three words. <laughs> um, caution. Caution. From the producer to the individual who wants, who finds this attractive and says, yes, I want to do that with my pet. Or the producer that says, wow, this is a great idea. Please think it through carefully. And give us a call because there are a lot of small elements that they may not be thinking of that have to do with the well-being of those animals in that situation. Okay. Well, thanks for summing that up for us. And again, so if someone's watching one of these shows, of course, they welcome to call you guys and, and express their concerns. Absolutely. Okay. We and encourage uh, the public to get in touch with us and they can do it through our website, AmericanHumane.org and go to the Film and Television Unit. You can go to Queries, and you can absolutely contact us. Okay, great. Well, again, we're very excited to have uh, Karen Rosa, who is the Director of Film and Television Unit for American Humane. They are the ones that, uh, since 1940, actually have the No Animals Were Harmed tagline, if indeed the production earned it, and it sounds like there is a high watermark for that. And apparently in 2009, um, as Kara says, it's going to be uh, an update reflecting reality television as well. Thank you very much, Diane. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that'll do it for this Pets in the City on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Diane West, always assisted by my very impish and perceptive rodent, Mistress Chili Chinchilla, who is a very tough boss, I can tell you. So thankfully, we also have our producer who um, helps us out a great deal as well. So thank you for listening. If you want to know what's going on in the New York area in terms of pet events and events you can go to with your pet, fundraisers, a lot of fun things, adoptions, and trust me, this year we're really going to need 
help local adoption agencies, um, private adoptions. As you know, it's pretty bad. So please get out there. Look on www.newyorktales.com. That's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K-T-A-I-L-S.com for events that are coming up the rest of November and of course December with lots of parties and you can also write me here at Pet Life Radio just put in Diane at PetLifeRadio.com and I'll get your message thanks once again for listening have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.